Anywhere's very good television podcast. I'm Liz Shannon Miller at Lizard on the Twitters. And I'm Ben Travers, Ben T. Travers on the Twitters. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about teens today. <laughs> Inappropriate joke subsided. It was, it was like welling up inside yep. you yep. and then Held about to explode. Stopped it. Cut it. Cut it right out. Well, I just, yeah, well, the topic comes up because, you know, we cover all sorts of shows at all times. And, you know, some of those shows are meant for young audiences and some of them are meant for older audiences. And then sometimes there are these shows like in the middle there, you know, like, like, and I think we've been seeing this a lot lately on Netflix. Uh, this is something I wrote about in a big feature that ran as you listened to this uh, last weekend. Um, and it's basically just kind of an interesting observation about like the kind of stuff kids are watching these days and the slightly older kids, the teenagers who are currently now apparently going to save us from ourselves. Hope so. Yeah. Fingers crossed. We need it. Town Hall was a good step. Town Hall was a great step. Do you watch all that? No. <laughs> Do you watch any of it? Some of it. Okay. I watched like 35 hours of screeners this week, so I, I yeah, you've had a really, bit of a week. Didn't really get too much extra stuff in, but uh, but no, yeah. I mean, here's open. Kids are our future. They need to be. I mean, what is what is what have you observed about kind of the way like teen programming has changed uh, in the last you know several years? At least in comparison, to, like the stuff you watched when you were a teenager. That's a great question, Liz. Um, I would guess, as someone who is utterly inexperienced with the lives of teenagers, uh, that the content teens are watching has become much more mature, mainly because more mature content is what you demand as a teenager, and it is much more readily accessible these days. It is true that, like, you know, when I was growing up, my parents had the HBO in their bedroom. And so if I wanted to watch anything on HBO, I had to go through them. And uh, one time, I, the only time it really ever blew up on me was like, I really wanted to see the Michael Douglas movie Disclosure. Oh, wow. Um, and they would not let me because they thought it would be too sexual. It's extremely sexual. Have you seen it? Oh, yeah. Great book, though. I like the book. That's yeah. why I wanted to see, I was a big Michael Crichton fan at the time. You content. read the book and they wouldn't let you watch the movie? Yeah. Uh, the book's actually... Much more intimate. I know. I made this argument. Wow. Your I lost it. I don't know, Mr. and Mrs. Was, Miller. This was the only time that happened, for the record. Like, otherwise, like, we had a very good back and forth on otherwise. what I was and was on the watch. Otherwise, if Liz read the book and the book was racy, then they let him, let Liz watch the movie, which was racy. Well, I was also, I was pretty young at the time. Liz, is this just a, an end to talking about your current addiction to porn? No, I'm not addicted to porn. I can stop anytime I want to. You know That's, this. I don't know that. I, I haven't I've watched... heard you say it. I don't know it. <laughs> I haven't watched anything with an actual, I haven't seen an actual boob on screens for like, I don't know, like. A day. At least two. <laughs> <laughs> I like that you noted a boob and not the porn that I would assume you'd be watching, but uh, we might be steering well, a little I'm just, bit. I'm using like boob as my like lowest standard of like, sure. it's like, uh, sure. like uh, you know, on screen, on screen sexual, I guess but would be better. Now, I do imagine that, that teenagers are seeing far more of these type of programs. Again, because like, I didn't actually, I only got in a few episodes of 13 Reasons Why, but 
the way it's described to me is often it's described as a teen drama. And I know that it's because it's about teens, not necessarily that it's for teens, especially considering the content involved. But it's pretty I adult. do feel that just about any show and movie, I'm lumping it into this conversation now, apparently. Uh, another thing I haven't seen. I think those are actually made for teenagers. Like, I think nowadays there is a reasonable expectation that teenagers will be able to find that and watch it. Find, and, the, find, find the boobs and the butts. Well, not even, not just the boobs and the butts, but, like, the scary clowns and the and the suicide dramas, apparently. Like, the, these, these are properties to me that seem like, if not explicitly marketed towards teenagers, they definitely, since they're about them and try to speak to their current condition and their current livelihoods, then I think that's what they're going to try to watch because they can. Like, again, anything on Netflix is going to be pretty much fair game for, I imagine, most of the of the youths out there. Right. Um, and again, I, I don't know if this is true. And obviously 13 Reasons Why has bigger fish to fry in terms of being a, a rampant success, but it's hard for me to imagine again, without the Netflix data um, readily available slash available at all, uh, that that most of that audience was driven by young eyes. I mean, that certainly seemed to be the case. And I think a lot of it, and, you know, I think that we've seen like the Netflix doubling down, Netflix doubling down on that element because because of the, like, Stranger Th- between Stranger Things and 13 Reasons Why, they had a lot of good, they had two very good reasons to start pursuing more original uh more original content if oriented towards that audience. And that was something that basically kind of came came became clear to me when I was doing this big Netflix press day a couple of weeks ago. Um, because I basically, at a certain point, I was just like, there are so many young people here. At the press day? Yeah. Oh, because there's so many shows about them? So there's Everything Sucks. There's um, On My Block, which is this upcoming uh, upcoming show uh, from the creator of Awkward, which is about uh, teens about to enter uh, high school for the fir- for their freshman year and confusing feelings and all that j- jazz that come with that time period that come with that age, but you know, very different time period, very different uh, location. then uh, then everything sucks. There's a multicam show called uh, called uh, I think it's Alexa and Katie or something like that, um which is about which is about two girls who are best friends, uh, also entering high school, come to think of it. Kind of Netflix is going for that age group really specifically at the, for some reason. Because um, everybody's been to high school and everybody's in it who they want to watch. We're talking about freshmen, though. Still. Yeah? Yeah. Everybody's been a freshman. Freshmen want to watch TV to avoid their awkward lifestyles. Were you an awkward freshman? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Sure. I think I go. I guess I was. I was pretty much awkward through. I don't know my thirties. It's a very identifiable age. Yeah. Um, but it's weird though because I feel like I feel like when I was growing up, I always wanted to watch things about people who were slight, like significantly older than me. Um, which is why, like you know, I think there's that point when you're teenage years where you just switch over to watching things about adults. Well, I think that's kind of the hook. Like I imagine that again, going back to the overall success that Netflix has seen, specifically with something like Stranger Things. I mean, that was that was a that was across the board. That was a four quadrant show. It hit just about everything you could possibly want it to hit, from you know the very specific niche of genre fans to the very very broad niche of or not niche very broad audience of families. Um, and when you have a show, I mean, when, when you have a show like Everything Sucks, to me, it's another one that's playing very much on a broad spectrum. Like, everything that has to do with the 90s is uh, designed to attract 
the nostalgic older crowd who wants to remember what it was like to be in high school and empathize with these kids who are just trying to have romance and love and etc. And that may not appeal as much to some children who are looking for more adult fare, but there's still some adult themes and content within that series. And moreover, I think that they may just want to seek out their peers. They may see themselves in something like a lot of people want to do or, or hope they can do. And then when they do, they're drawn to it. They watch it. They check it out. And because it's on Netflix, you know, which is something, again, that everybody just seems to have or at least have access to, um, there's just a demand for content in general. So, like, if they can keep hitting these core groups, both the older audience who's paying for it and the younger audience who either is paying for it or will be paying for it, it'll have a, they'll have a long life. So good. We have we we you know just keep making te- content for teens and everything's gonna be fine. Mm. <laughs> Not quality wise, Liz. Not quality wise. I mean, what what do you feel like is currently like the best teen oriented programming on t- on on the services uh, within like you know streaming services within the last year uh, on TV right now? Red Oaks. Does that count? No. Why not? Because aren't they not teenagers anymore? Yeah, they're, they're like early college years. Could yeah, be teenagers. nice try. Uh, I'm not saying Red Oaks isn't a great show. I'm just I, I don't know. Stranger Things, maybe. Wow, big ups for Stranger Things. I can't think of anything that's like particularly strong. What do you got? What do I got? Um. It's tough. It is. It is not an easy question. Um, I don't know. I think uh, be interested to know what a what a teen audience. <gasps> the Americans. There is a teenager in it's it. It's all about Paige. It is kind of and Henry. And Henry. Henry. <laughs> Whatever. Isn't like this season going to be the season of Henry? No. <laughs> no, that's not. That's funny though. I thought people were saying that. Yeah, they were, but I don't believe it. <laughs> There's no way. There's no way it'll be the scene of Henry? No. We have so much to resolve just with Paige. <laughs> There's literally a, a, a scene of Paige fighting Philip. In the, yeah, in the trailer. In the trailer. That's very teenagery. Well, I mean, a lot of what is going on in the Americans is very teenagery. It could be the ideal blend, in fact, of what teens are looking for and what they're able to identify with in that there is a certain level of parental betrayal. Um, there's a lot of adult situations that are both uh, action-packed and sexy times. Uh, so those are you know, very much of interest to teens. And then, obviously, you've got kind of Paige as the conduit for a lot of what's going on in the later seasons. And then you've got Henry who's just kind of hanging out in the back as a somewhat innocent bystander. Um, so there's a lot they could latch on to. Plus, there's great side characters like Julia Garner who, God, I hope teens don't have to identify with that, but... Still a great character. That's all I'm going to say about her. Julie Gardner, what was the other show she was on recently? Ozark. Ozark. And Waco. And Waco. And uh, she's in a lot of stuff. She's really good. She's having a good year. She's having a great life. I feel like it's always kind of fun. Like, I I feel like, you know, with, with teen-oriented programming, of course, like, the question is, like, you know, how many of these teens are going to go on to do other things? Um, but I feel like, you know, it's always kind of fun to see the, see, see the really interesting ones emerge. Like, uh, I feel like, you know, Looking back at the cast of Friday Night Lights, for example, like who knew how many who knew how many great stars would come out of that cast? Um, the answer is probably the casting directors who cast them because they were right. good at their jobs. Yes, <laughs> they're brilliant people. Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, Tessa, Tessa Thompson got first broke out on TV, and uh, but she was probably not in her teens. Unknown. <laughs> got her in Creed. She's great. You didn't, you did, that's right, you didn't watch Veronica Mars. Nope. It's a shame. It's a good teen, good, good teen programming, although it is all like, you know, you know, old, you know, mid 20 teens for the most part, I think. Mid 20s? Well, the actors are in their mid 20s. Oh, I gotcha. Yeah, that happens a lot. OC, baby. So it doesn't, it, does that ever bother you? No. I mean, no. I, no, it doesn't. Does it bother you? Sometimes. Sometimes sometimes I feel like when it's really obvious. I'm a very gullible individual, uh, especially mm. when I'm watching television that just kind of asks me to take a, a creative leap with it in terms of casting, um, a lot of times in terms of setting. Like, I'll just be like, yep, sure, that works. I'm much more invested in, like, the plot points and if those get, you know, Lucy goosey then there's gonna be a problem but the fact that ryan was like played by a 27 year old 26 year old ben mckenzie did not bother me one bit hmm. it bothered me much more that marissa was played by an 18 year old misha barton who could not act <laughs> is that really where your problems start with her where she she can't act oh no it started very much with the character misha barton's acting is secondary but have you ever seen Lost and Delirious? What the hell is that? It's this movie. It was this Canadian drama from years and years ago. And it starred Piper Perabo and Jessica Perret, who would later go on to be Mrs. Draper on Mad Men. Um, one of the Mrs. Drapers, anyway. And uh, so it was, uh, but it was like basically, you know, teen girls falling in love at boarding school. And Misha Barton played like, she was like 14 at the time. And she played like their, uh, like, you know, she played Jessica Perret and Piper Perabo's, um like roommate, who kind of narrates the story. I think the only other Misha Barton project I watched willingly uh, was the assassination of a high school president, and that was because it brought together Misha Barton and Bruce Willis in what had to be one of the strangest and most Ben-centric castings of all time. <laughs> um, it was fine. Did you watch it hoping she would get assassinated? Uh, she wasn't the president, so I I kind of assumed she was safe, but I was just curious to see what she could do. And it's it's I mean, I'd be more curious to talk to teens about what they prioritize in in terms of this as opposed to, I mean, wh when I was a teenager, I I would judge certain things like this. There were certain people that I'd like, just like there are now, that I'd want to see more of as actors. Um, but I don't know exactly what drew me to certain people. Um, I don't know if I can reflect on that like accurately actors. right now. Yeah, like actors and characters and stuff like that. I mean, I, I assume a lot of it is identification and just seeing something within the character at that age that resonates with you. Um, but, I mean, I, I don't know exactly what they're looking for these days. I don't know if it's that or if it's or if they're actually more like the rest of us um, in terms of what they are looking for is like a diverse new set of stories. Um, they're still young enough where they haven't been exposed to a lot. Mm -hmm. So like they may not be sick of seeing the same thing or the same people over and over and over again. Um, and then they may not have the same craving for, you know, just things that are different. Um, and at the same time, they're so awash with content 
they may be so overexposed to stuff that's similar that they still are already craving uh, new things just like we are. Yeah, I mean, well, one thing, the, the one thing I feel fairly confident about saying about teen, teen culture is the concept of celebrity has changed so much just because, um, you know, a lot of a lot of kids really did grow up like watching certain YouTubers and like having feeling like they had a direct connection with that sort of talent. It's very different from having a crush on like an actor when we were younger because it's just like that it was a very one-sided relationship and feel. And so you never really expected like, you know, anyone to look out at their from your their TV your TV screen and speak to you direct that directly. Well, I can apply to actors as well just in terms of if you start like a lot of them have a social media presence, so then that changes kind of the interactivity that they have with uh, with kids these days. So like if you like, like if I liked, you know, uh, Ben McKenzie or uh, I don't know, any anybody like when I was younger and started following them on Instagram and Twitter and seeing all that stuff and trying to talk to them or whatever, it, it might change your perception of what you're looking for from them. So um, it's it's an interesting part of it, but I am still curious kind of if it's the people who drive them to projects or the stories or what exactly they're craving. And I'm sure Netflix is trying to figure it out, but they definitely seem to have a good system in place for uh, kind of systemic growth in terms of appealing to multiple audiences with their teen programming, quote unquote, teen programming. I mean, because it does have, yeah. I mean, I think I think they're finding diversity within within even that subcategory, which I think is the interesting thing about it, just in terms of like different approaches they're finding different, you know, different approaches, different styles, different, you know, voices, um, which is interesting. Like the fact that um, <clears throat> the cast of On My Block is is all there. I believe they're all like late teens, or late teens, early twenties. Um, is very different from like the kids of Everything Sucks, where they are actually much closer to the age. And of course, then you have also the Stranger Things example, where none of those kids are over eighteen. I don't think. I mean. And, oh, God help them all. Yeah. They're in for I, it. I think that's the thing. The, the thing I find the most stressful about teen programming, I was just realizing, is that when the kids are under eight, when the actors are clearly under 18, like, I'm, like, very nervous for their future. Like, I just want them to be okay. Like, I want them to go on and lead normal, healthy lives. Um, and then when the ki- when when it, but I, when it, like, so when someone is clearly playing a teenager who is clearly in their 20s, I get very nervous for them because I'm like, oh, man, that must be so it, like it, it must be so hard to have to pretend like be 28 and yet pretend like you're in high school every day like that. That feels like that feels like creatively unexciting to me. Yeah. And there's there's definitely actors who you can see are stuck playing teen roles for too long and they can get bored and frustrated with that casting or with just that part that they're trapped in. I would sadly argue that Adam Brody, uh, this was very evident in seasons three and four of the OC, he seemed very disinterested in playing Seth Cohen anymore, and it hurt the show. Um, but even when they're speaking out in public, people like the the Twilight Kids, you know, were, were very vocal toward the end of the run about the fact that their movies weren't very good. And that's a terrible thing to do. Um, it's damaging uh, to the fans and to the product and to the company and to your future. But... No, I would yeah. argue. I would argue that with Twilight, the, the Twilight fandom, there's there's such a the Twilight fandom has such an internal love hate relationship with its source material, the book, the movies, the actors. It's really fascinating, actually, how much they both they all seem to simultaneously love and hate um, 
love and hate the franchise. Well, yeah, I I know that exists to certain degrees. I definitely haven't studied it, but to me, it's a very simple kind of comparison of if uh, if to stick with the OC analogy, if Ben McKenzie told me before you know the fourth season began that he didn't like the show anymore that's gonna upset me i'm not gonna be happy with that it's gonna ruin a lot of things and make me feel very conflicted especially as a young person um the fact that misha barton spoiled marissa's death before it happened is just a a horribly unprofessional but also just cruel thing to do to your fan base um so it's, it's one of those things where a lot of it is hard to come down or it's 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 not easy to come down too hard on some of the actual performers because you have to remember they are still very young and they've been affected by a giant system and they're in a scenario that's very hard to imagine at that age. Um, but, you know, it all kind of goes along with, with that stuff that you're identifying with at that age and that'll shape your vision of the future. Yeah. I mean, what do you think is the most important thing for team programming to have? Um. At this at this stage, I think it's what everybody wants. I think it's a, I think it, it's representation, and I think it's um, kindness. I think that it's important to have those ideas and uh, visual aspects uh, provided, no matter what your show's about, um, because even you know the darkest thriller can be rooted in some sort of benevolence. Um, so. It's a lovely. That's a lovely way of thinking about it. And I, again, going back to how we kind of kicked this off, I think if we're going to believe that the youths are our future, then let's try to shape them properly with kindness. With kindness and uh, equality. Yeah. What about you, Liz? What have you learned from all your studies of youths? I think we. I think there should be more robots. Probably. I feel like I feel like the thing I think in general what most TV is missing right now is a robot. I mean it's always good to cultivate a fear of technology in our use because they are becoming addicted to it. No, but there should be fun robots too. Oh, well. Again, we can have a I guess we can have a benevolent base in the show but also uh, a sufficient warning of the dangers of what they're investing in. Well, think about like Gremlins, like you know you need no. to <laughs> What? No, I'm not thinking of anything like Gremlins. Are you not a? I'm not saying you have to be a Gremlins fan. Just let me continue. All right. Just I'm just saying you got to have the cute Gremlin. I I've actually barely have seen Gremlins, but I know that there's a cute Gremlin, and then there are the mean Gremlins. They're all bad. They're all bad. But what about the cute one? There isn't a cute one. There is a cute one. Is no. with the brown with the brown the brown one with the big eyes. Still ugly. You think even you you think even the cute Gremlin is ugly? Yes. God. It's a dark movie. <laughs> You you seem to know it much better than me. Uh, I don't know if I saw it too early or too late. Didn't work. Where do you fall on Ewoks? Ewoks are terrible. Oh, that's right. We've had this fight before. Yeah. Just really cloying, pointless. I need need to sell toys and appeal to children. Uh, tarnishing of a, of a wonderful franchise. I like Ewoks. I know. They're cute. Yeah, I know. Do you at least think they're cute? Yeah. Like the little baby Ewok? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Chewie's cuter. I don't know why they needed the Ewok. They had Chewie. Chewie's just hot. Mm, that's weird. What? He's very tall. That's... We're getting into a weird place. <laughs> it's Friday. 
Yeah. This will all make sense, I'm sure, someday. It won't. <laughs> I honestly think it'll make less sense <laughs> as soon as we're done with it, as Han will undoubtedly attest our unwilling listener in the room. Yep. Han, sorry. We're sorry. So- <laughs> oh, God. That means that there's a witness to that Chewie's hot comment. You Han. recorded it on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, it's but I have the power out. to edit it out. Not now. We've been talking about it for far too long. Oh, watch me do it. All right. Well, we'll tweet it out then. <laughs> uh, so I think the point is... I do like um, Porgs. There we go. Porgs are great. You, you don't, you're not on, like, Team Eat Porgs. I thought it was great when Chewie almost ate the pork. I he should have eaten him. He should have... I agree with you, by the way. He should have yeah. eaten the pork. That would be... Once a, it's dead... Yeah. You almost have to eat it. It's just like you're wasting good porg meat now. Well, you just killed for fun. Yeah. Um, There's actually a really good article on one of the Gawker sites about what what would a porg taste like. (laughs) It's very, no, it's very scientific because it was like. I'm sure it is. It's, you know, comparing it to various birds it was maybe allegedly based on. Great. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess the the point we're trying to make here with discussing the teen content aside from just kind of being like, teens. We have to record a podcast. Who knows what they're thinking? <laughs> um, who knows what they're thinking? Netflix is trying. Netflix is making a lot of content for them. And keep watching this space because I don't think it's going to go um, away. Just another reason to kind of get a little mad at Netflix. Parents, <laughs> think about how much they know about teens and that they're not sharing with you. They could. We The secret to understanding teens is, lives inside the Netflix headquarters. It, I don't question that statement, actually. Yeah. And we could be looking at it right now. We could. We could. And yet we're not. Um, Not very kind, Netflix. Yes, but maybe someday we'll get a glimpse. I mean, Ben, you haven't given up on your Mission Impossible dream of hacking into Netflix, right? I got to get Tom Cruise on board. (laughs) But that's part of the dream, so that's fine. (laughs) Wait, are you the Jean Reno in this scenario, or are you the Tom Cruise? Am I the who? Jean Reno. Jean Reno's the guy in the vent helping him. <laughs> All right. Liz, Jean Reno was traitorous. That is true. Horrible. That is true. I was just trying to remember who else is in that scene. Ving Rames. Ving Rames is, is buddy. his buddy. Yeah. So you so want to be the better. If there's going to be two, it'd be Ving Rames. You could have also said Simon Pegg or Jeremy Renner or any number We're of talking very specifically about like when he goes into the CIA headquarters. CIA headquarters. Oh, well, I mean, you could have. I mean, I, I picture it much more. As Ghost Protocol, Tom Cruise, where you've got to, you know, attach yourself to, like, we'd get invited into the Netflix building. Right. Then we'd know where the servers are. Sure. So we'd have to swing, like, sure. climb up the building and swing over uh, to the okay. other window. So I think of it much more as needing a, a Jeremy Renner, Simon Pegg type person. You could totally be the Jeremy Renner to his... It's very kind of you to say <laughs> Jeremy Renner and not Simon Pegg, but... Well, Simon I, Pegg's I better. It. Well... Simon Pegg is arguably the better human being. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to judge people like that. But, yeah. Especially in this very treacherous terrain. Yep. In terms of what? In terms of who else we'd be judging as human beings. That's true. Everyone go see the new Mission Impossible. It's going to be <laughs> great. Is Kevin Cavill the bad guy in that? I don't know. I guess it, it's like Mission it, Impossible. But... So if he starts off the good guy, he'll probably be the bad guy by the end and vice versa. I hope he's the, the um, who was it, Josh Hollowell? Josh Holloway. Holloway, yeah. who dies very quickly. That'd be cool. Be a nice twist. Twist! 
That means the helicopter scene is the first scene in the movie. Well, it'd also just be absolutely terrific if all this hubbub about his mustache was over like a five-minute cameo appearance in Mission Impossible. Perfect. So, um, I think I think we're good. I think we can move on, Ben, if you would like. This was the best part. <laughs> Well, Ben, I'm going to ask you what the best thing you watched last week was, and you can talk about Mission Impossible again. If I haven't want. seen it recently. We'll talk about Mission Impossible on a future podcast, I'm sure. I think we um, tried. We, I think we did a podcast of Mission Impossible once, or like movies that we, play like TV shows. Well, we did a podcast on Tom Cruise. Yeah, we did do that. Whether or not he should come to TV. But and we said no. Yeah, that was probably a mistake. Um, but no, the best thing I saw last week, uh, it's The Looming Tower. I really enjoy The Looming Tower on Hulu. Uh, it's based on Lawrence Wright's book. Uh, it's directed by Alex Gibney. stars Emmy Award winner Jeff Daniels. Um, don't, Liz. Emmy Award winner Jeff Daniels is pure and good and wonderful. And he's very good in this. Um, but yeah, it, it tells the largely unknown true story of uh, two government agencies who are fighting with each other circa 1999, mm-hmm. 2000, um, before the terrorist attacks and how their infighting and secrecy uh, may have, like if they hadn't have, you know, suffered from these problems, it, they may have been able to prevent the attacks. So uh, it's actually, it's it feels very much, like if you imagine Alex Gibney, the acclaimed documentarian, directing narrative, it feels exactly like that. And that's pretty great to begin with uh and then you throw in a bunch of strong performances i mean michael stuhlbarg's in it guys and pretty much we're at the point where we can safely say if michael stuhlbarg is in something you watch it i don't i can't think of anything off the top of my head that would that would be like no you shouldn't watch that absolutely so uh looming tower it'll be out wednesday we'll have a review up hopefully as you're listening to this um i'm glad to hear that you liked it I've, i've seen a little bit and i really enjoyed it um, and I thought it was—I thought it was something that definitely had a lot of potential. Yeah, absolutely. The potential is, is just sky high, especially as a limited series. But uh, Liz, what was the best thing you saw last week? Uh, I'm, I'm, I, when we sat down to the podcast, I was like, ah, I have to have seen something really great. And honestly, I think the best thing I saw was uh, the teaser clip for Legion season two, uh, which features Aubrey Plaza basically talking directly to camera in a really freaky way. And I think like. I I feel like that show kind of occasionally, like, sometimes I don't love it, sometimes I do. Um, but it, I think when it does remind me of how much I love it, like, it, the, the bonkers elements of it, like, are so delightful. And I think, I th- I, I'm, I'm very optimistic for season two, like, in terms of, like, just being a different, tr- different kind of show and being a really smart, it, being really smart and still also just having this goofy, like, why not do this thing? Who's to say? So that's kind of, that's more. If you haven't seen that teaser clip, go ahead and track it down. Get 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 hyped for for Legion. We all should be. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see it play out as it's being released in April, right? Mm-hmm. So it's going to be up against all these crazy Emmy contenders God and a bunch almighty. of you know great quality programming. And not that there's <clears throat> not that when season one came out, it wasn't up against a lot of strong shows. But it was a January release, and it kind of got the jump on some stuff. And I think that may have hurt it toward the end of the year when we were making up lists just because we talked about it so much and kind of let it drift away from our mm-hmm. you know, minds. But I think it's I think it's definitely going to remind us of what of how good and crazy and uh, challenging a show it can be. So that's fun. 
Yeah, then I, I'm officially calling it as of today, um, as we record this, because uh, uh, the Expanse just announced that it's coming out on in April. So now I'm gonna I'm gonna say it officially for the first time in 2018. Fucking April. Love it. Eh, I know. Give it to me. I know. I'm pumped. You're so tired all the time. I know, but it's worth it. <laughs> Especially when I am going to be tired for things like Legion and uh, The Expanse and you're not uh, gonna be tired for, You're, you're not going to be tired for The Expanse. Well, I'm going to be tired for a lot of great shows like The Americans instead of being tired for McMafia and Seven Seconds. So <laughs> Yeah. Uh, ben, what's the next thing you're looking forward to? Uh, I'm going to cheat and say the next thing I'm looking forward to is Atlanta, even though I've already seen Atlanta. Um, How much of Atlanta did they give us? How, how three much was, episodes. Three episodes. Um, I am. I would watch seven more if they gave them to me right now. Um, it's a absolutely stellar start to the first season and one of those that kind of creeps up on you. There are a lot of really funny, beautiful moments as you're watching it. And then when you kind of just let it sit with you and talk about it with people, it just hits you a lot harder of how good the show is. So I am very much looking forward to uh, seeing more of it as well as since it premieres on March 1st, Thursday, um, as well as the discussion surrounding it. Like I've talked about probably too many times on here using that as what I look forward to next. But the discussion surrounding these shows is is the reason I do it. So, uh, so yeah. That's me. Liz, what are you looking forward to? Um, I was going to say Jessica Jones. Uh, my review of that will be popping up uh, as you listen to us this week, uh, as, as the review embargo goes up, and we have the first five episodes to evaluate. Um, but I'm actually going to say uh, I'm intrigued and excited by um, the sci-fi show Krypton, not because I think it's cool. Here's the thing. I was pre- totally prepared I mean, we've all been very skeptical about this show. They didn't present any th- footage. They barely presented any footage at at a TCAs. They've had very little they've been able to say about it. It's been very much a show in the dark. But I did see at least one critic. Uh, we got the screeners earlier, or a couple of days ago, and uh, we and I saw like one critic almost immediately sat down and started watching it, and he was like raving. And they gave us five episodes, which is a, quite a show of confidence. And I feel like, I don't know, like I, I'm i prepared to take a chance on it. I'm this, this is the place where we say what we are looking forward to watching and for whatever reason, and I'm just interested to see, maybe they did pull this off. Maybe this they didn't make a garbage show after all. <laughs> um, it is always better to go in with that belief. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's what I'm looking forward to. Uh, you probably won't read about Krypton anytime soon on IndieWire.com, but you'll be able to... Contraire. Yes, you will, for it premieres at South by Southwest. Okay. Well, I guess somebody will get to watch it there then. Uh, yeah. Maybe. <laughs> um, but you'll be able to read about stuff like that and more at IndieWire.com, where you'll find news, reviews, interviews, features, all the stuff you like. And make sure to listen to all of IndieWire's wonderful podcasts, including the Turn It On podcast with Michael Schneider, uh, the one that started it all, Screen Talk with Ann Thompson and Eric Cohn. It's Oscar week, people, so pay Get attention. Um, and, of course, <laughs> I, um, Moon River. I can't even really begin. Such a smile. 
to recap properly all of the ways in which you should be listening to the Filmmaker Toolkit podcast with the one and only Chris O'Fault. Um, they're innumerable. But it's worth noting that Mr. O'Fault just started watching Dear White People, and he loves it because he is probably the most intelligent man on earth. So... Make sure you listen to that podcast uh, above all other things. Are you done? Yeah. Okay. Um, sorry, I wanted to give you some theme music for, for, for Chris O'Fault Corner. Um, so, yeah, uh, you can find Ben on Twitter at Ben T. Travers. You can find Liz on Twitter at Lizlet. That's with an I and then an E. Correct. We will be back next week. Thank you guys so much for listening. And as always, keep watching television. Thank you.